Turn in your Bibles today to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And you find your places there. Hold your place, if you will, and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now move over, if you will, to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's a tremendous verse. Let me read it again. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. I'd call your attention now to verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Several years ago, around Christmas time, from this pulpit, I preached a sermon on the subject of Santa Claus or Jesus. And I taught us that we give Santa Claus the same attributes that we give Jesus. That message eventually aired over our television station, and a businessman called me. He was visibly shaken. He said, Preacher, you've taken all of the joy out of Christmas because you have exposed Santa Claus. Now, I don't want to take the joy out of this time of the year, but I want to expose the devil. Because we get caught up in things. For instance, you tell me, not now, but after the service, you tell me when you think about Easter, you think about a rabbit. You tell me what an egg has got to do with a rabbit. Eggs and rabbits, Easter. It's a counterfeit of Satan to get people's eyes off of Jesus and the resurrection. The devil has pawned us into believing that Christmas is Santa Claus. And then we have been pawned into believing that Halloween is an acceptable time 
for our church members' kids to celebrate. I want to say to us at the very onset of this message today that we are doing something that probably we don't realize the consequences of and we are doing something out of ignorance. Now there's one thing about a Bible-believing church, whether it be this church or another church. And I want you to listen to this statement closely. There's more sin in a Bible-believing church than a church that's not Bible-believing because the light exposes more sin. It's like the law. The law exposes sin for what it is. You'd not, you would not have known all about the consequences of sin if you didn't have the law. It's an exposure of that. When we come to a church of like Berean Baptist Church, we have to come face to face with sin, with darkness, with the powers of hell versus the powers of heaven, and we have to rightly divide between them to find out what the message of the hour is and find out what God expects of us and expose that which is error and exalt that which is truth, and then we have to decide, here's the path, which path will we choose to walk in? Now today, I want every parent in this building to know something about what you're doing if you send your children out trick or treating. I want every young person in this building today to know what you are becoming a part of and what you are celebrating if you go out trick or treating. As a matter of fact, this time of the year, next, next week, the sidewalks and uh, the streets will be filled with young people. They will have on every kind of costume representing every imaginable character that one could dream of. For instance, there will be those that will be dressed up like Batman and the Joker. There will be those dressed up like Wonder Woman. Now I understand this year that it's going to be uh, popular for people to be dressed up like Bill and Monica. <clears throat> well, we knew that was a joke to begin with. But then there will be people that will dress up like witches. There will be people going up and down the streets with devil's uniforms on. There will be people dressed like ghosts. There will be people that will be dressed up like skeletons. Then there will be people going up and down the streets, and especially young people, ringing doorbells, knocking on the door, and they will be saying, trick or treat. If I would ask you today, where was that phrase coined? I seriously doubt if there are many people listening to me by radio, eventually by television, in this auditorium that could tell me why people use the phrase trick or treat. I will tell you before this sermon draws to a close, you're going to be shocked at where it came from. As these people go down the streets, walk up in the yard, stand on the front porches, and ring the doorbells, they will come into houses and come before homes that have grinning jack-o'-lanterns sitting on the, uh, on the porch or on the steps or out in front of their homes. They will see skeletons hanging from the front porch or pictures of witches or black cats. 
Then, sad to say, there will be churches during this season of the year that will have haunted houses and long lines of people standing outside to go through and celebrate Halloween. In our economy today, Halloween has become one of the biggest of the year for retailers. As a matter of fact, Halloween now is third, falling only behind the Super Bowl and falling behind the New Year's Day. There are, we are told, $3 billion spent at Halloween on costumes, on candy, paraphernalia that has to do with the season of the year. They have sat down and they have figured out that those who participate in Halloween spend at least $50 per family member nationwide where people participate in Halloween. And yet, listen to this, yet our founding forefathers who came to the shores of the New World would not allow Halloween to be a part of the colonial celebration in America. As a matter of fact, they banned Halloween in the colonial days of America because they recognized where it came from and the potential harm that it could bring to a new world. Halloween, as we know it today, really took on a new meaning in America and really began to be celebrated in a big way in 1845. Previous to that, there was some celebration, but not to the extent that it took on in 1845. Actually, actually, Halloween goes back several thousands of years. It began long ago among the Celtic people. When I say Celtic, I'm talking about people that would, that would be characterized as people of Britain, uh, the Gauls, the Scottish, the Irish people. It began as an observance of the end of summer. Now listen closely. They gave sacrifices when they closed out their summer months to their Lord of death. They gave sacrifices to a God called Saman. He was the Lord of death and of evil spirits. This marked the beginning of their Celtic New Year, October the 31st. This pagan god, thousands of years ago, was shown as a ghostly skeleton. Now watch this closely. He was shown as a skeleton holding a sickle in his hand. Have you seen anything like that among Halloween celebrations? We even use that symbol today in many instances talking about Revelation chapter 6 and 7 when the Antichrist comes on the scene riding the white horse and then death begins to follow him and the grave licking up those souls. We call him the Grim Reaper. Well, that was the symbol of Samen, the god of death and the god of evil spirits that the Celtics celebrated at the beginning of their fall, fall year. It was celebrated on November the 1st. The Celts considered November the 1st the day of death. And the reason they considered it that, they said, well, the leaves are falling 
uh, things are beginning to die, so they began to celebrate what they called death. It began to get darker, the days began to get shorter, and the temperature began to drop. They believe that their sun god, listen closely, they believe that their sun god, whose name was Muk Ola, how would you like to have a god like that? A god named Muk Ola was losing his strength the last of October and the beginning of November. Now they believe that their sun god was losing his strength because the days began to get short, the light began to shorten, the leaves began to fall off of the trees. Therefore, they believed their God was losing his strength, and Saman, the Lord of death, was overpowering him. They believed on October the 31st, Saman assembled all of the spirits of all who had died during the previous years. Those who had died had been made to inhabit animals during the previous year. Now, let me back up and go over this real slow. October the 31st, they are worshiping their God who's overcoming the sun God. They believe that this time of the year, the veil between earth and eternity is the thinnest it will be any time of the year. They believe that this is a time when they can come together and have seances with their loved ones who have died. On this particular day, they believe that all of their loved ones and all of their relatives who have died during the previous year are now inhabitants of animals. They believe that their loved ones are running around across the countryside reincarnated in cats, in dogs, in horses, in cattle, and they believe that on this time of the year, October the 31st through the beginning of November, that these people in, reincarnated in these animals are coming back once again to meet with their loved ones. And they are afraid of them because they believe that they will come back to harm them. So to protect the people that are living from their loved ones coming back in animal form, the Druid priests led these people in diabolical worship services, ceremonies, in which they would go outside of the city and they would build huge bonfires. They said that these huge bonfires would cause these evil spirits of their loved ones in animals to flee the cities and come out to these bonfires. So what they did, they took animals, they took horses, they took cats, they took black sheep, they took oxen, and they stuffed these animals in wicker baskets. And they burned these animals in these huge bonfires to appease Saman, the god of the spirits, and to keep these spirits from harming them. Now, how would you like to think that your loved ones was roaming the earth, reincarnated in a cat, reincarnated in a sheep or in a cow or in a horse. And in order to keep those loved ones that had died and reincarnated in animals from harming you on October the 31st, you would have a huge bonfire and you would burn all of the animals that you could find because you believe that they were coming back to harm you. Now, these Druid priests that led in this awful occult practicing 
were witches themselves. When the Caesars conquered Britain, we are told that the Caesars said, the Druids offered up men as victims to their gods. They made vows to sacrifice themselves. They held fixed ceremonies for this purpose. The fixed ceremonies were held at the beginning of summer, May the 1st, and the beginning of winter, October the 31st. One of the places that they chose to hold these huge bonfires and this gathering together of witches to celebrate Halloween was Stonehenge, England. There they sacrificed countless people, burned people alive in these fires. Now listen closely. They still meet, as I speak in this auditorium this morning, they still meet in Stonehenge, England. Every year to celebrate Halloween, to keep the string intact all of the way back to the days of the Druids when they sacrificed both animals and humans on these altars during Halloween. A former high priest in the Celtic tradition has made this statement. Halloween is purely and absolutely evil. And there's nothing we ever have or will do that would make it acceptable to the Lord Jesus. Listen to this. In 1989, the Baptist Bulletin reported this. A U.S. physicist, physical therapist who says she has been a practicing witch for four years, won permission to take Halloween and seven other days off as a religious holiday. A spokesman at Lakeland Air Force Base in San Antonio said, regulations require that Mrs. Hutchins be accorded the same freedom to express her religious belief as any other religious believer. In other words, Halloween is a religious holiday to witches. It is a day that witches celebrate above all of the other days of the year. Halloween is the highest day that witches celebrate. A New Age researcher has made this statement. On Halloween, witches meet they drink, they dance, they spit out curses and spells, they conjure up spirits, they engage in sexual origins, they induct new members. When do they do this? October the 31st. They offer up animal, listen to this closely, this is somebody that has studied the subject, they know what they're talking about. They offer up animal and human sacrifices. You say, preacher, that don't go on. Hold it. It does go on. I know of people that have been hunting in our area, and they have come upon animals that had been slain, and it had become very obvious. I'm talking about in Forsyth County. I'm talking about in Davie County. I'm talking about in Yadkin County. They have found animals in recent years, in my lifetime, in the last two years, that have been sacrificed on the altars October the 31st during the witch orages that they go through to celebrate this high day for witchcraft October the 31st. But it gets beyond that. Listen to what this writer said. He said, 
they have these celebrations on October the 31st to induct new members. They offer up animal and human sacrifices. Witches have become expert at covering up these sacrifices by the use of cremation ovens and the use of privately owned land preserves for the disposal of bodies in deeply dug graves. Listen to what the writer says who's researched this. Somewhere in America, in the week prior to this coming Halloween, children will be kidnapped by witches and become statistics as missing children. While chances of your children being snatched may be remote, nevertheless, we believe caution and good judgment is in order. We're not talking about historical documentation now, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about October the 31st in our nation and in places around the world. This upcoming week, children will be kidnapped, never to be found again, that will be offered up on some altar where some witch or witches are celebrating the highest day of their year called Halloween. Now, does that sound like something you want your children to celebrate? Jack Roper, an occult researcher, has made this statement. The time of the year where you have the highest rate of satanic ritual crime is Halloween. Halloween is an evil day because Halloween honors Satan. Halloween is a time of idol worship. Halloween is a time of immorality. Halloween is a time of demonic ritual. Halloween is a time when there are human sacrifices. Now that almost goes beyond our comprehension to understand that, but nevertheless, that is a fact. Witches and those who worship Satan regard Halloween as the most powerful day of the year on which to cast a spell. The mass of satanic worship you say, preacher, do you mean people worship Satan? Oh, yes. There is a church of Satan. There are people who gather every week to worship in the satanic church. But the highest time of the year when they have the mass of satanic worship is held on October the 31st. Anton LaVey, who headed up the church of Satan who died a few weeks ago who as I speak is burning in the hell that he didn't believe in Anton LaVey made this statement about Halloween here's what the Satanist said he said he was glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year that's what Anton LaVey said about you letting your children go trick or treating. What about Halloween? It's the day when Satan receives glory from a vast amount of people either knowingly or unknowingly. What about the origin of Halloween? Halloween came from a futile attempt to Christianize Halloween. In 800, AD 800, the Catholic Church moved All Saints Day to November the 1st. Now, I want you to follow this for just a moment. They moved it from the month of May 
and they called it All Hallows Day. It soon became the custom to call the evening before All Halloween, and then it was shortened to Halloween. The Saints' Day was set aside, November the 1st, was set aside to worship the saints that had lived. Now listen closely. People that have read just enough to get ignorant have made this statement. Well, Halloween comes out of a good background. I've heard people tell me that. They say that it comes out of All Saints' Day. Listen to me closely. Halloween and All Saints' Day are two different things altogether. November the 1st was classified as All Saints' Day. As far as I'm concerned, it's just as bad as Halloween because on All Saints' Day, the church so-called offered up prayers on behalf of the saints that had died. Wait a minute. You don't offer up prayers on behalf of dead saints? We don't pray for people that have already died. People that have already died are in heaven or hell, and nothing can change that. All of the liquor in the world that's drank and poured over their bodies and, and all, of the, all of the procedures and the services that they go through will not change the destiny of a person that dies saved or lost. We need to know that. Then they, they set November the 1st as All Saints Day where they offered up prayers for the saints. Then they established November the 2nd as All Souls Day where again they interceded on behalf of the souls of people that had died. Halloween gets its name from the Catholic holiday. They said that the day before All Saints Day, listen to this, was a hallowed evening. And they called it therefore Halloween because it preceded All Saints, All Hallows Day. The Christianization of this Celtic New Year Day however, has failed because we don't think as much of Halloween as an All Saints Day as we do Halloween itself. Now, when, when we celebrate Halloween, we see people walking around in costumes. Now, where in the world did that originate from? Where did it come from? Now, I hit on this a moment ago slightly. Let me get more detailed. It was believed when people's loved ones died that they were reincarnated into animals. And that on this day, October the 31st, their loved ones would come back to visit them as cats, as sheep, as cattle, as horses, as any number of animals. But they believed that there was a possibility that when their loved ones came back to visit them, that instead of it being a friendly visit, that their loved ones through the spirit world would harm them. So here's what they did. They killed animals themselves. They took heads of animals and skins of animals and they placed the heads of these animals and the skins of these animals upon themselves, believing that they could clone themselves to look like some of the animals that their loved ones was living in. And when their loved ones came back in some kind of animal form, that they would see them in animal form and consider them to be a spirit reincarnated. Therefore, they would not harm them. Now, that's a dumb thing to think. If a spirit had enough sense to be reincarnated in a cat, it'd have enough sense to know you're wearing a costume when it comes back. Yes. 
So where did the costumes come from? It came when people disguised themselves in costumes trying to deceive the spirit world that was coming back to harm them. So when you put a costume on your child and your child goes up and knocks on a door, you are saying, I am now involved in the Drood condition. I am in the Celtic tradition. I am going up here knocking on this door because I believe some of my loved ones may be in this house or may meet me tonight as a cat or as a dog or as an animal. And when they see my disguise, they will think that I'm one of them and they will not bother me. Now, during this celebration, on October the 31st, these Druid priests, in these disguises, would build these fires, and they would sing around these fires. They would jump through these fires. They would burn people in these fires. Now, listen closely. When they would take people, and many of them were prisoners, and throw these prisoners in these fires and burn them on October the 31st, these people were so wicked, they would search through those fires that had been burned to try to find a ring or jewelry or something that had not been consumed, that had burned up with those people in those fires. They would jump through these fires. They would dance around these fires in celebration of Halloween. When these people would go out through their neighborhoods dressed in these disguises like children do today. They would go up to a house, go up to the door, dressed in these disguises, and they would say to the owners of those homes, trick or treat. Now why in the world would they say trick or treat? Here's the reason. These people would say to the owners of these homes, you treat me or we will trick you. Now here's why they did that. These druid priests were witches themselves. These druid priests were people that worshiped false gods, many gods. And they were people that believed that they had the power to cast spells upon people. So on October the 31st, as they would go out through the villages and the highways and knock on people's doors, they had people horrified. The people that lived in those villages and lived in those houses in those days believed that if they did not treat these people, that these druid priests would trick them by casting evil spells upon them, killing them, doing horrid things to them. So the people would give them money. Historians have taught us that they would go out and they would say to these people, we need money for our gods. You give us money, we will not trick you. We will not cast an evil spell upon you. You give us money, our gods will not bother you. So they went from door to door to door, and they'd say to the people at the door, trick or treat. You either treat us and treat our gods, or we will trick you and cast a spell upon you. 
Does that sound like something you want your kids to do, to follow the Druid tradition of believing that if those people don't give your kids something, that they are in fellowship with the underworld that can place a curse upon people because they don't give them something? That's where trick-or-treating came from. Years ago, before I knew any of this, you know how it is. I, I, I'm going to confess my sin. I'm not going to give you an opportunity because we wouldn't have enough time for everybody to confess their sin. But you know how it is when you're dating. You want to do everything you can to be with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. I remember one Halloween. I remember I used an excuse. I'm going to go uh, tonight trick-or-treating with my girlfriend. I was 16 years old. I drove over to my girlfriend's house. She got in the car. We went up the road. I never will forget up the road near where she lived. And I never will forget what happened that night because it embarrassed the fire out of me, and I never forgot it. He went up and knocked on this door and said, Trick or treat. The lady looked at me. I've always been big for my age. I probably looked like I was in my 20s. She looked at me, and she said, Hmm, I think I'll try it next year. Looks like a good way to get groceries. I never forgot that. But I want you to remember something. When you're handing out, now I know this goes against tradition. We've got caught up in this thing. We don't even realize what we're doing. I know this goes against tradition. But when you give out candy to somebody that's knocking on your door, you are participating in an occult worship ritual which does not glorify God. It all came out of demonism, occultism, witchery. Treat me or our gods will trick you. Now, as these people would walk through the communities from house to house, these druid priests carved out what we know today, turnips. They carved faces in those turnips. They didn't have pumpkins. When it came to America, turnips were exchanged for pumpkins. Now, wait a minute. i got to say something here. There's nothing wrong with a pumpkin. No more than there's nothing wrong with a radio if you listen to WPIP. But you take that which is good, a radio, and you tune it to some kind of a rock station where you feel your mind and your being with that kind of music, that which is good becomes sin in your life. Nothing wrong with good pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. But when you take that which is good, and you make something evil out of it, then it becomes sin. Now the Druids, they carved out turnips. And I want you to listen to this. That face in that turnip, like the face that people carve in pumpkins today, was supposed to represent the likeness of the spirit demon that indwelled that Druid priest. That spirit 
face that he carried around with him when he went from house to house trick-or-treating that spirit face on that turnip was supposed to be his guide was supposed to be his little god and was supposed to be the one that empowered his life and gave him direction in america when they started using the pumpkin they originally called the inside of it jock or jack and then they took that and made it Jack Alandert. In the days of the Druids, when they went from place to place, it was believed that if they would set that turnip with that spirit that represented what was inside of that man, if they would set one on the front porch, that, the, that those fallen spirits would be sympathetic to those who worship Satan and would pass over that house. There are some scary jack-o'-lanterns, and it's supposed to represent the spirit inside of the devil worshiper. Now, I, in my Sunday school class this morning, I raised the question at the close of the class. I asked my Sunday school class, how many of you believe Dracula lived? Or how many of you believe that Dracula was, an, was a person that really lived, or was Dracula a fable? You see all of these haunted houses and you see all of these advertisements and you see Dracula. You hear all of this crazy, scary so-called music. At this point of this sermon today, and I don't have but an hour to go. I'll be through in a few minutes. But at this point of the sermon today, I think anybody that loves the Lord Jesus Christ would have to say, wait a minute, I don't want my family and I don't want my children celebrating hell and the devil and demons. Don't raise your hands today, but if I should ask you, how many of you believe Dracula was a person? Not folklore, but a person. Probably most of you in this building today would say, well, it's just some kind of a made-up folklore. My Sunday school class, I think there was one or two that said, I believe Dracula was an actual person. Well, let me give you the answer to that. Dracula was a person. Dracula was a maniac monster. He was the Hitler of his day. During his six-year rule, he killed 100,000 men, women, and children. Pope Pius II said this, quote, Dracula killed 40,000 of his political foes shortly before 1462. I wonder if he was related to now. <clears throat> Let me tell you how Dracula killed his foes. This is history speaking. He would take his enemies and he would break them under the wheels of carts. He would strip off the clothing of his enemies. Listen. And skin his enemies alive. He would take his enemies and roast them in hot coals, hot beds of coals. He would stake his enemies out, drive stakes through their heads while they were alive. He would drive stakes through their stomachs. He would cut off their nose, nose, ears, and limbs. History has recorded that on one occasion, some Turks came into his presence and did not take the turbans off of their head. 
He had his soldiers to take those Turks and drive nails while they were alive into their head, nail those turbans upon their heads. No one was excluded from Dracula's evil doings, not even children. He decapitated multitudes of people. Dracula devised a way to rid society of those who were a burden to society. Now we're closing in on 1998. Listen to what he did. Those whom he considered to be a burden to society, sounds like Jack Gavorkin, including the sick, the old, the lame, the poor, he invited these people to a feast that would become a house of horrors. Catch the phrase? He invited these people, the old, the sick, the poor, the lame. He invited them to come to a feast, to a house of horrors. He fed these people. He got these people drunk, and then he asked them the question, Do you want to be without cares, lacking nothing in the world? And they would say yes. Dracula, at that point, would order the palace boarded up and set on fire. No one escaped. They were all burned alive. That's where he came from. Now, let me say something to every parent in this building. Is that the kind of example you want your children to follow? Let me ask you this. How many of you in this building would want your children to dress up like Jim Jones? How many of you in this children would want your in this building would want your children to dress up like Charles Manson? Sad to say, some would in some parts of our country. But logically speaking, how many of you would want your children to dress up like a Charles Manson? Let me ask you this. How many of you would want your children to dress up like the pedophile, John Wayne Gacy, the child murderer, molester, and killer? How many of you would want your kids to go from door to door this Halloween season dressed up like a pedophile? You say, preacher, I wouldn't let my kid do that for nothing in the world. Why, I've heard of these Jim Jones, Charles Manson, Wayne Gacy. I've heard of these, how, how evil they were, how sinful they are. Well, then why would you want them to dress up like Dracula or go somewhere where they have symbols of Dracula? Or why would you want Dracula in your house? Or why would you want that type of cartoon laying around in your house when it represented an actual person that was as wicked as any person has ever been and ever lived in this world? The Bible asks the question in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 17, What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Halloween is the time of year that emphasizes death and violence. You need to explain to your children that you are no longer going to celebrate Halloween and that which represents hell and demonic powers and demonism and darkness that around your house this year, things are going to be different. Now, some people come along today and here's what they say. Well, you know, preacher, Halloween's okay because the pagan elements have been taken out of it. Hold it just a minute. The pagan elements have not been taken out of Halloween. It still closely resembles the Celtic and the Druid tradition. 
the costumes, the scary music, the, the cats, the animals, the reincarnation of people's loved ones, all of that, it's still a part of that. The devil is having a heyday on October the 31st. And it behooves us not to be tricked into honoring that which is against heaven. You say, well, preacher, when they come to my house, I give them a track. Hold it just a minute. People on Halloween night are not exercising spirituality. A track to somebody on Halloween night means no more to them than a piece of grass they're stepping on to get to your house. They're looking for candy. They're looking for things that they can be treated with. And most of the people, when they get a track, they'll, they'll fold it up or wad it up and they'll throw it away because it means absolutely nothing to them. The best thing we can do is to stay away from it and not be a part of it and not contribute to it and, and say I'm not going to be a part of a tradition that goes back into uh, heathenism and demonism and witchcraft. I will not be a part of it. As a Christian, I cannot be a part of that which represents darkness. Will you notice, please, what the writer said in closing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Will you turn back there in closing for just a moment? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 20. I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. Verse 21 says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, to simply stated, bottom line, apex of what I'm saying, here it is. When you take your family out trick-or-treating, you are sitting down at the table of devils and demons. Now you think about all that's involved in Halloween. Ghosts, spooks, black cats, witches, it goes on and on and on. You tell me, what does that have to do with Christianity? All of that is demonic. All of that's on the dark side of life. Why would a Christian want to identify with a Celtic and Druid condition that says we believe that there are many gods? We believe that our loved ones are reincarnated in animals. We believe that we have to defend ourselves against them by placing costumes on our families at Halloween time. And we believe that we've got to give out treats uh, in order not to be tricked by the demonic world. Now you tell me, is that the thinking of a 